0: The Athletic. Hi there, this is From the Rookery End, a Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And this is Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent for The Athletic. And alongside me this week is Mike and Dave. And we are going to get stuck in to a three-pronged agenda for you all this week. What needs to change after Liverpool as we head up to Goodison Park? We're going to be talking about the the thorny issue of, of Ben Foster and YouTube. And we're also just going to be casting our minds forward to January and February and not necessarily dealing with the transfer window all that that is part of it but we're going to be focusing on the Africa Cup of Nations and within that We are going to be going through some of your questions as well. Thank you very much for sending them in on social media, at Adam Leventhal on Twitter, also on the Athletic app as well. Thank you very much for uh, getting involved in that. And before we get stuck into everything, just a quick reminder for you. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, you can get a 33% uh, discount at the moment by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end right Dave Mike it is great to have you with us and just so people know we're not necessarily in the same room but we can see each other's faces and I've got a sort of a a positive smiley face Dave's putting on a, a smiley face and even Mike is is sort of feeling warmed just by seeing other Watford fans and and just I can see a smile on your face as well Mike let's start with you it's been a tough week but are we feeling a little bit more optimistic in any way that, that you know that we are going to be heading in the right direction in some way shape or form
1: I feel sorry for you Adam I'm not sure how old you are but you still don't know the difference between a smile and a grimace <laughs> am I feeling positive look I'm looking forward to Another Watford match because, as football supporters, ultimately that's all we've got, isn't it? Is the next game and the hope that comes with it. I'm going up to uh, going up to Everton because no one would buy my ticket or my train tickets off me after Saturday. Uh, And yeah, look, I'm so I'm looking forward to it from a supporters' point of view. Saturday 3 p.m. is is what we all look forward to, isn't it? But I have to say I'm finding it very very hard to shake off the the film of dust, if you like, that sort of envelopes me after uh, after Saturday. I found. I found it difficult. I found the two games before it difficult. And I found the backlash, the backlash is probably the wrong word, but the sort of collective sort of shoegazing, if you like, and, and the collective sort of upset since, since Saturday, quite, quite difficult to shake off. So on one hand, yeah, really looking forward to seeing Watford in action again. But yeah, it's been, it just feels like, it felt like a slog this week when, when it's come to thinking about Watford.
0: Yeah, imagine having to write about it. <laughs> and uh, get, get, get the
1: criticism
0: coming the other way as well. It has been a pretty sort of full on week, but I'm I'm sort of feeling like no, come on, let's let's just let's just remember this is a game, and we are supposed to be in it to enjoy it. Yes, we live it. Yes, we do. Of course, we do, and it means a lot. But let's try, let's try and just rise above it and look at some of the positives ahead. Tristan R on the app, Dave said this after such a poor show the Foster shenanigans which I said we will go into is there anything positive that we can hang our hat on are you feeling that there is anything that you saw within that Liverpool performance that we can kick on with grasp onto and head to Goodison
2: Park with some positivity I think if you want to cling to some green shoots of hope which I know John did his valiant best to try and do on Saturday in the immediate aftermath and got no (laughs) absolutely nothing (laughs) back from Mike on that front put the result aside because we were probably always going to lose that game hard as it is put the performance sort of you know get over the fact that it was a desperate performance and the positive could be the fact that Ranieri had that game to look at those players to see them in action under the spotlight on TV against one of the best teams in the league and he will have learned some lessons as we spoke about after the game in the podcast at the weekend the people that did come off the bench even though we were 4-0 down at the time and it's easy for them to perhaps look good in those circumstances but Joao Pedro Jeremy and Ngakia the two really for me you know, cleverly came on second half and did what he does and I don't think he can really be blamed too much for the for the for the defeat really but I think Pedro and Ngakia are the two that impressed looks gave us something, gave us something a bit more, looks more up for it, didn't look scared, which is what most of the other players look like. So I would like to see those two and more changes, but definitely would like to see those two rewarded and put into the first team for the game against Everton.
1: I think if there is a positive as well, I think we what we should see fairly quickly is whether there is going to be any sort of reaction and how likely it is that we're going to be able to turn this form around because what, what one thing that really stuck out for me at the at, during the game on Saturday is when I think it was Kuchka had a shot from distance on about seventy minutes was it? Finally got a shot on target. Maybe even the first shot. Yeah, first shot after after, after seventy odd minutes, and the usually pretty placid, forgiving Vicarage Road crowd sort of erupted to a man, child, and and woman into um, sarcastic cheering and applause. And you know, it was it was funny, and Liverpool fans laughed, and I think Klopp had a little giggle as well. But that's pretty damning actually. That should be quite embarrassing for a for a football team to have twenty thousand people effectively doing a football crowd version of laughing at you. I think you said one of your colleagues at the Athletic Dave called it the, the one of the worst performances he's ever seen. You have to go along with it in terms of how timid, insipid, and utterly hopeless it was. And hopefully those sort of ironic cheers will have been ringing in their ears as they, as they trudged off. And you'd like to think that this week they've been working their tails off to try and come up with some sort of uh, reaction. So I think if there is any positive, it's that we'll see quite quickly on Saturday at Goodison how up for the fight these, these boys are. Because they should, if nothing else, be shamed into some sort of performance uh, up on, uh, on Merseyside this weekend.
0: As I put it in the um, in the piece that I did after the game, it, Watford were as ugly as you can get. It, there were no real redeeming factors. There was key errors made by Ranieri uh, in terms of his selection. I think we all agree that the Messina, Danny Rose, let's play two left backs, but actually if we are going to play them, let's play them the wrong way around. Playing Sar as a striker, still not playing really a holding midfielder that wants to, to play with the ball. They are all mistakes that cannot be repeated. It will be very, very interesting to see, as you have both mentioned, whether that key bit of mitigation, which we can't really judge until we see how they perform against Everton, of not having his full squad together until the Thursday, whether that does actually hold any water. Because if it doesn't, then it will come down to, hold on a minute, you've sent them out against Liverpool with a half-baked plan, which they haven't executed. And Moussa Sissoko said it in his post-match um, interview with the club as well. He said, we ca- we went in with a plan and it didn't work. If you then come up with another bad plan against Everton, that really is on Claudio Ranieri. And you're you're almost thinking, well, hang on a minute. You've brought in someone who's supposed to have a far more astute technical ability to set up a team and get them organised and all this sort of stuff. Because previously you had a rookie who wasn't really up to the level. This cannot be another mistake at Goodison Park. So it is going to be fascinating to see if he has learnt his lessons and fingers crossed having sort of hit rock bottom, the only way is up. And hopefully that he will be able to um, put a side out And maybe changing the personnel, I think he probably needs to do it just to give a few people some rockets. Or maybe he might just go out to the same guys and go, look, you know how pathetic you were last week. Prove me wrong. Otherwise, you are, like Messina last week, you're going to get hooked at half time. There are a couple of questions that we we can deal with. And I think a lot of people have focused this week, and I think that this is the wrong thing to do at this time, focused a lot on the recruitment. I understand that there's been so much focus on... The defense and a lot of people have been focusing on the the level of um, investment in the defense but I think that people are having s- slightly short memories because they're forgetting where we have literally just come from we've come from the championship we were managing to keep hold of a couple of players that were part of that defense when we went down they didn't leave maybe they were championship level that's that's up for debate. But there were players added in the championship who had aspirations to play at a higher level. The likes of William Triste-Kong, the likes of Francisco Sierra You then add to that Danny Rose, who, in my personal opinion, I think he probably needs a couple of games out of the first team. And I think that they should bring someone else in altogether. Maybe play Kiko over on the left-hand side and bring Jeremy and Ngakia on the right-hand side. We've seen Kiko do it on the left before. Maybe that might not suit him. It might not suit anyone. I feel a
2: bit sorry for Rose, though, Adam. You make that point about he should be out. He he had a mauling against Liverpool. And, you know, I I had a few people message me after the game saying, Danny Rose, I haven't seen him play for a while. Christ, what's happened to him? But they haven't seen the performances before that, where he's been playing well and he's looked composed on the ball. He's looked experienced and he's he's looked like he's improved and he's getting back to somewhere approaching his old self i don't think we can really chuck him out of the team on the basis of being played in an unfamiliar position against what is arguably the best player in the world right now um i see i sort of see where you're coming from but rose is is not the issue for me in the defence the issue Again, it's not their fault. It's not the defender's fault as such. But the issue is that we're still playing most of the defenders that got us relegated.
1: And, and Adam, you talk about the, the opportunities or the options we have to to mix it up. And quite frankly, none of them fill me with any sort of confidence or or excitement it really does feel like rearranging the deck chairs on a famous ship really and yes I, 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 I we take the point that they did bring in um, Trusty Kong Sierra Alta was a huge success in the in the championship and we were all I think well I certainly was excited to see him in the in the Premier League he looked like he was a Premier League operator didn't he um, Danny Rose came in with with some experience but the, the reality is that we find ourselves desperately 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 short um, whereas in midfield we're still struggling in midfield and attack but we have got plenty of options there and it, and it seems to be and I think that, that what people would point to add is myself included is that over the course of the of the Pozzo regime if you want to call it that defensive recruitments don't ever seem to have been very very high on the list and having sort of been assured that we learnt lessons from our untimely departure from the Premier League last time Striking it lucky and getting bouncing straight back under in, in, a, in a very difficult season that we'd sort of learned from some of our previous mistakes. And you just look at that back five that took to the field against arguably the best team in, in England or Europe on on Saturday. And it's like we just miles and miles and miles out of our depth with the with that defence. Jeremy Ngakir is, has proved himself to be an able defender. He looks good. He looks competent. But for him to be the sort of the one saving grace, if you like, to come in alongside Danny Rose, who's as you're both right. He's he obviously struggling from from time to time. But I think he's been one of Watford's better performers back there for those two to be the ones that we're really hoping everything is going to turn everything around. I think is is quite telling and and quite damning, really.
0: Look, I I completely understand. And I'm. (sighs) It sounds as if I've have t- taken a position where I'm I'm championing the the, the deep quality that we have in our defence. That is not what I'm doing. My my point is I don't necessarily think it's all on the the individuals on the personnel. I think it's it's two pronged. The organisation of them as a unit I think is is hugely important. I also have faith that players can be improved if they have better organisation and they gain confidence from that. But also, I think that in general, the fact that it is all on the defenders, they're getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. It's all on them. Every mistake, every pass, everything's on them. That is more reflective for me of a team that is not functioning. They are not able to get the ball from the defence any further than the defence. If they fling it forward, it's coming straight back. If they pass it, there's no one there to pick it up. So the team needs to function far better because it's always going to come back on the defenders. They're always yeah. going to be exploited. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it needs to change. You look at Kiko Femenia since he's come back from, from injury, he's looked like he just wants to, he doesn't want to be there. That's my opinion. He just, he just hasn't looked like he's engaged. It was accentuated against Liverpool because he didn't have Ismail Assar and he was thinking, "What? The, I haven't even got. I haven't even got Sarr alongside me. What the, what the hell am I doing here?" The Rose Messina thing was just a complete mess, and that set the tone for the afternoon. And I don't think William Truster Kong and Craig Cathcart could have really done any better in the circumstances in that situation, because also every time a pass was was pinged out from from Trista Kong or Craig Cathcart it was coming straight back none of the midfielders were on the half turn were willing to take the ball forward were actually willing to go you know what thanks for that pass i know what i'm going to do with it there was none of that so it was always coming back on the defenders so that's where i think people need to just maybe just take a little bit of a step back i don't think this is all on the recruitment they're not it's not like you've got league 1 defenders in the team you've got players that are playing international football that they can be molded and they can be improved so i don't think in terms of the defense it needs to all be on recruitment and in terms of the the general point about recruitment we haven't had long enough to make a judgement on whether the recruitment this season has been good or bad we had to wait for the entire season 2019-20 to make a judgement and go you know what the welbeck signing probably wasn't the right thing craig dawson wasn't the answer we should have strengthened elsewhere. We make that assessment then. We can't make the assessment on the, re- the recruitment here and now. We can't because we haven't seen enough of the players in a, in a lineup that might work.
1: I have this concern that you look out there, on the pitch on, on Saturday, the week before that, the week before that, and you see 11 blokes. You see 11 vaguely talented footballers who have managed to get themselves into a Premier League football team. You do not see a team... And that's been the case really for vast swathes of the last two or three seasons at times. And that's I think that's where the, the, the overall concern comes in. So I think on one hand, yeah, we're only eight games into a Premier League season. There's plenty of points to go for. There is talent in the squad. There absolutely is. But on the other shoulder is that is that nagging voice saying, we've kind of been here before with a team that doesn't look up to it and, and ha- does it look like we're learning the, learning the lessons and people have rightly spoken about Scott's words we spoke to him at the start of the summer and he was very um, clear and very persuasive as he always is saying that this is and I don't mean that in a negative way by the way but we you know we've learnt mistakes we're going to look to build a young hungry squad and I understand supporters looking out over the Vicarage Road Turf over the Ellen Road Turf and wondering what happened to that plan.
2: Maybe me being in your mere presence, Mike, is dragging me down a touch, and I'm <laughs> and I'm and I'm starting to be a bit overly negative. But the the fact is, we've got a game against Everton in a few days. Few days' time, we need to see a better performance. We need to see hopefully something different in terms of team selection and team shape. There is an opportunity, perhaps, for us to get some points at Everton because they're not having the best time of it at the moment. They've got a lot of injuries. It was a shame for me to to hear about Abdellah Decore's foot injuries broken his foot he was in the form of his life Everton fans loving him saying he's one of their best players and now he's going to be out for a few months it's good news in the short term for Watford but you know I'm fond of him as for what he did at Watford and that's that's bad news for him but Calvert Lewin's not been playing recently he's had injuries for Charleston, wasn't playing last week he's had a niggle as well I think so we don't know whether those two will be fit enough to play but if they're not then that gives us a big chance so you know we're going to Everton who are not absolutely who are not perhaps at the absolute best version of themselves at the moment. But, you know, this Rafa Benitez, his teams are never easy to beat. He always he, He's forged a career on having a plan about what to do about the opposition. Ranieri will have his work cut out for him. We can't burn too many more games. You can excuse a, a hammering against Liverpool because they're Liverpool. You can't... If we get the same performance that we had against Liverpool and we lose... It's, it becomes less of a you know it becomes harder to to sort of justify doesn't it
0: just on the everton side of things and the team news and stuff like that i got in touch with with paddy boyland who we've had on the on the show before just to sort of check in on the on the team news and he said that richarlison does have a chance dominic calvert-lewin will not be playing um obviously as we've we've spoken about Abdoulaye Decore is is a massive miss for them and it opens up a question on on who replaces him and whether they can you know stick with the same setup due to the fact that he was covering so much ground for them so it, it is a big issue for for Everton Yeri uh, Mina who scored i think he scored a couple of goals in in a couple of minutes so the last time we played um from corners uh, at Vicarage Road in that really really annoying game when we lost in the last minute he potentially might be back and uh, he hadn't been playing because he he played a couple of times for Colombia during the international break so that might actually boost them in terms of their strengthening uh, in central defensive position, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Everton. We mustn't forget as well, Nicholas and who Watford have signed, and yes, he is another free agent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He might come into the mix. We don't know. We'll find out uh, about that later on today um, when we speak to uh, Claudio Ranieri. But I think just to finish this this point off, and and you know, we we've. We've dealt with a, a lot of the questions. Django asked a question of, uh, that we've we've dealt with. Steve Maguire about Sar. Robert Nichols had asked, you know, how long do we give Claudio Ranieri? I think that's a little bit too soon to, to be sort of saying, oh, yeah, he's only got a couple more games. You know, basically, and this is how I finished the piece um, that I did after the game, that yes, and this touches on the point that Mike was making, we need to find some sort of identity, even if it is a short-term identity. We did it last season. Let's not forget. From Bristol City onwards, we found an identity. We found an, a unity. And Watford's way of doing things is short-term. I don't see that changing. I don't see us emulating the likes of of Brentford anytime soon because it is a lot. It's all. It's a short-term operation. But they need to find some sort of identity in the short term and hopefully that can maybe bear fruit at Goodison Park or maybe in the games to come we need momentum don't we not even momentum we need we need just a wall to stop yeah. first and then we can get something something from that just yeah. something just we need something to start off with a foundation stone we can't get
1: momentum if it's just all coming the other way all the time. We need a, we need a pair of jump leads. That's what we need to get them going in the first place. And then we need a <laughs> yeah, new battery. Exactly. And then we need to fill the car up with petrol. Then we need exactly. momentum. Then we need to keep going. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, what is giving me a little bit of um, a positivity in a bizarre Mike Parkin side of ways. We've of course we've never ever won at Goodison in the league. I don't think we've won there at all actually in any, in any any competition. So what would be more Watfordy than going uh, and against All odds breaking the Premier League record and losing 13-14 nil uh, at Goodison on uh, <laughs> no we might win we might win we've never won there so let's uh, records are meant to be broken aren't they right we've started off positively
0: and we've sort of dragged ourselves right back down again let's uh, let's deal with uh, some other
3: topics looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
0: Okay, let's deal with the the Ben Foster situation. I think that the Ben Foster situation has become a little bit of a storm in a teacup, perhaps. But it has got a lot of people talking and I think it's important that we do deal with it. I wrote an article on Monday on The Athletic, which you can go and read and you can comment on it like many other people have commented on it. Some people have liked it some people really did not like it and they really don't like me after that article which which i want to do i want to deal with in, in some in some form obviously the, the the inspiration for the article was that there was an incident at vicarage road on saturday whereby one of ben foster's guests a us a ufc fighter who was a liverpool fan got kicked out of the ground and he was pretty obnoxious as he um, responded to that basically saying you know I love Ben Foster but I hope you all go down he went into an away uh, home pub and all that sort of stuff and it just got all a little bit messy and I think the the Watford fans that were in the ground and saw the incident and then found out about the incident afterwards thought hang on a minute you should really be giving your tickets to, to to Liverpool fans as I point out in the piece that might just simply have been an oversight and you sort of give give someone a little bit of credit there and yes people make mistakes the reason it went on to the youtube situation and the discussion the broader discussion and this is really important that i point this out the broader discussion about what ben foster does with his youtube channel whilst he is on watford's time and that is the most important thing and i and i pointed it out in the piece I don't necessarily think that everyone grabbed hold of that, that Watford fans have seen their goalkeeper do some great things on YouTube, some really interesting things. But also, is he more interested in what he does on YouTube than what he does on the field? Now, that is a question. It is not a conclusion. It is not questioning his professionalism when he goes out onto the field albeit I don't think he's improving as a goalkeeper. I think he's he's dwindling towards the end of his career. I think that's 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 a fair fair comment. I don't think he's as good as he as he used to be. But I think that there are other things that have been highlighted from his YouTube channel. Things that he has done on Watford time like getting shirts, like finding out about his fantasy football team and things like that, which people might hear and go, look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But we have found out about these things by virtue of the fact that he has this YouTube channel. And it has got people talking. It has got people thinking. It has got people making assumptions, might get the wrong perception here or there, but some of it might be true. Some of the negative things that they're thinking might actually be true. It might actually be a distraction. It might actually go against having a siege mentality if you have someone in the camp all the time focused on what their next post is going to be. Yes, it might only be about breakfast. It might only be about apple crumble and things like that. But if your focus isn't on the job at hand when you're at work and you're always thinking, oh, what am I going to say on my next thing? What am I going to do on this? What am I going to do on that? it can be construed that it might become a distraction. And before I throw over to you guys, because I've sort of rambled on a little bit, but the upshot of the incident regarding the tickets was that the club, and I highlighted it in the piece, they were going to deal with the situation internally. And it, lots of people have asked about what are the club doing about it? We will only find out what they're doing about it in the fullness of time. If we don't see any more posts from Ben Foster within the, Watford, um, Watford's training ground or on the coach and things like that, then we will know that they have, they have acted and they have, um, they have got serious reservations about it. If it's a word in his ear and say, look, can you just tone things down? Can you maybe read the room a little bit more when he was seen sort of talking to Mo Salah. We don't know the full full reasons why he was talking to Mo Salah and things like that. We know that it wasn't necessarily to get his shirt because he didn't have that shirt out on his latest post. It was it was the goalkeeper, Kelleher, that he had the shirt of. So it might not have been that he was getting his shirt. All these sort of things, we will only find out what happens down the line. What are your, you guys, What what's your take on this as a debate? I have nothing against Ben Foster as a, it, it, personally at all. He's always been very, very kind and very sort of approachable and a, and a good bloke. And he's done some really good things for charity. On the way home from a game, once he helped a guy that, you know, stumbled out of his way and he, he was struggling, you know, all that sort of stuff. He's a, he's a good guy. And I like the stuff that he does outside of football. I think the, the cycling stuff is really, really interesting. But I think maybe he's maybe not quite got the balance right.
1: Yeah, well I think this is probably a good opportunity for us as football fans to try and and we need to do this probably more, not just as football fans, as a society, but that's a debate for another day. Is try and detach ourselves from the emotion and the fervor of being a football fan and look at it almost from a human side of things and realise that Ben Foster has managed to um build something off the back of a career that he's had to work very hard to to make successful I don't think anyone for one minute would think that he's doing this to disrespect Watford or to disrespect Watford supporters it's easy to jump to that conclusion in the aftermath of an absolute shooing from Liverpool and as football fans we get hot-headed we get angry we get emotional I think with stuff like this, I've seen quite a lot of personal attacks on Ben, ben Foster for this. And, and I think that's overstepping the mark. I think it's important just to look at the whole thing as to why he's doing it, why he's able to do it and what the actual impact of it is. And I think if you look at that in that way, it's, you probably might come down on the side of more good than bad, perhaps. But I think the concerning thing for me is having given it some sense, tried to give it some sensible, detached thought is that Saturday was a sort of um, a perfect storm of things going wrong, really, for Foster, wasn't it? And I think the, the biggest thing for me was the fact that his choice of guests is, is downright ab- abysmal. I've, I hadn't heard of the guy before. I don't really want to hear from him. Him after I thought his behaviour was absolutely staggering to the point, that actually, that I thought it might be a stunt. He, he was saying, oh, why should I be thrown out of the home end for celebrating? Yeah. Why should I be shown out, thrown out of a home pub for celebrating? I look forward to him protecting me when I go up to a pub in Toxteth and start cheering on Liverpool's opposition because, oh, I didn't realise that you weren't supposed to. Che-. Absolute nonsense from, from him. And I think he probably showed his his character in in those, those posts. And Ben Foster will have known that. Ben Foster would have probably chosen him on the back of that um, to uh, to get clicks on his videos, get clicks on on Paddy's videos, whatever he he, he saw it as an opportunity uh, for him to be a good guest. If he'd have sat down and thought about it, thought, I know what this guy's mo is. I know what I know what the likely result is from the matches. I know what the likely result from him being in the in the home end is going to be, he will have known and I think the fact that he whether he thought of it or not the outcome is the same. It was an appalling lapse of judgment and it shows that he's not really bothered because he's either not taking the time to think about what might happen or he is taking the time to think about what might happen and he doesn't care. So it, it's just the worst possible afternoon for, for Ben Foster because he his guest acted like a complete douchebag, has uh, embarrassed himself and embarrassed Ben Foster. Foster's let in five goals. Foster's got salary in his fantasy league team and then Foster's gone out and, and tried to get the YouTube uh, video out with a, a fairly glowing recommendation of, of Liverpool, which, again, detach it. Not That video isn't for Watford fans. It's certainly not for bald, middle-aged, fat Watford fans like me. I don't think I'm the target audience. I think I've, heard, I've seen comments from clubs all around the world saying he, Ben Foster's doing good stuff for your club. He's getting him in the public eye. So I do get that as well. Um, however... I think that the that, that kernel of it for me is the thoughtlessness. That You know, that's an operation. And that's not even about perception. That's not about even being emotional. That's an operational issue. It could have ruined some other Watford supporters' days if if they were in there with their kids next to some Liverpool fan jumping up and down, and he turns out to be a UFC fighter. That's not necessarily what you sign up for, for a Watford fan going to sit in the Sir Elton John stand. So just a really, really bad lapse of judgment. And I think it shows... He's not given it enough thought, and leading on from there, it's like, well, how many other mistakes is he making in the in the lead up to it? So, if I was Watford, my my take on it would be, it's pretty clear now the impact that this can have on a wide range of people, on your reputation, on the club's reputation, on the enjoyment of people attending the game. Therefore, we're going to have to ask you not to do not to do videos on on, on match days or on on club property because I think. He, in effect, has. I think he's he's misused and and abused is is the wrong word. I don't think he did it on purpose, but ultimately he's found himself in a situation where he's let people down, in the club, outside the club, and and us as fans. And I think I think they need to probably put a stop to it now. It's a really complicated, tricky sort of
2: issue. This, and and, and as with most debates that we have these days, it very much seems that people have either fallen. Very hard for one side or the other, and I think that there's there's valid points on both sides, and 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 it is quite nuanced. I think you are absolutely correct, Mike, in that it was a, a perfect storm. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a sort of lapse of judgment. Really, I mean, what I, what I think has happened here is that Ben Foster has and and his business partners and and all that have grown this YouTube channel. And it's got pretty big now. It's got by a substantial number more followers than Watford's own YouTube channel has. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge deal. They're, they're closing in on a million subscribers on YouTube, which is a, which is a big deal. People could make a full time living off that if they wanted to. And he's not really apart from the sort of GoPro thing at Swansea last year. He's not really had any trouble with it. It's kind of it's kind of been there in the background. People have obviously really enjoyed it. He's obviously gotten a lot out of it, it looks like he's really enjoying himself, it may well have actually helped him enjoy his life as a professional footballer in the latter latter stages of his career more than he may otherwise have done. So I think there's probably a lot of positives for him, for his mental health, for his enjoyment... And it's probably got, you know, it may well at times, in the good times perhaps, have been a good thing for the other people around him in the dressing room as well, kind of giving them all something to focus on, a bit of a laugh, get involved in something. Yeah, maybe after defeats, it's the last thing you want, is a camera shoved in your face or whatever, fine. But perhaps something like this was always going to happen.
1: At some point,
2: something was always going to happen. And perhaps it needed to happen for him to just realise and think okay maybe I've got maybe it's got a little bit out of hand here we've got a bit carried away excited with all the excitement and the and the videos and then and the followers and the clicks it's quite an intoxicating thing when you put a post out there and you can see people are liking it and it's getting views you know despite the fact that he's a professional footballer that's played in front of you know huge crowds and in the you know for his whole
1: career he probably probably be quite an adrenaline rush for him getting this attention let's also not forget that sorry but I think it's important that we get this in another huge positive is what it did for Watford fans during lockdown yeah yeah, yeah. it gave us all an, an incredible look behind the scenes which you know most of us will have will have enjoyed I dare say anyone that watched some of the content certainly during that season we weren't able to go to games will have will have really valued that and, and I think it's important to reiterate what you say he's earned the right to do something that he enjoys. Because he is an, effectively an elite sportsman, who and th- th- and that opens doors, and he's doing something that that he that he enjoys, and I think that is to be absolutely applauded in this in this life. There is a lot of doom and gloom, there is a lot of misery, there's a lot of worry, there's a lot of upset and heartache. So to see someone evidently enjoy something and to make a success of it, I think is is terrific, and 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 you're absolutely right to say that. And I think we have to say that Watford fans over the la- over the couple of years will have enjoyed it in different ways. Um, I think you're right in as much as you say this was bound to happen. And I think the disappointing thing is that he hasn't recognised that as the thing has grown and grown to, and, and adjusted and adapted slightly. He's been told he can't have the, the camera in the goal by, by the Premier League. So he's pivoted to, to change the the, the the nature of the videos, which is having guests but also you have you have to make other changes as well as it gets bigger and as the, as there are more offshoots as there are more moving parts to the whole thing and I, and i think effectively what it feels like he personally it feel, and i can't talk for him he's probably lost a little bit of control over over keeping the two things happily in in tandem and we and we just saw that on on Mm. on because it's too big to let that to to put down now he can't stop it it's a proper
2: thing there's probably people whose living depends on it now you know people i'm sure there are people that work on this and this is their job you know it's for him it's people have said oh it's just a hobby as as adam as you correctly pointed out it's more than a hobby hobby when you do it at work and and your work is the thing that sustains the content all i think to, to sort of put a bow on it and to and to draw a line under it and move on. I think if if Ben Foster, whether that be on a video or a, or a separate post or whatever, acknowledges it, says, "Look, maybe I got a few things wrong there," apologises for the for the person who was representing him. Does not it, it, It's not Ben Foster's fault that Paddy the Baddie behaves true to type in the in the in the stand but nevertheless he is there as a representative of ben foster so you should take responsibility for his actions and say look maybe i got it wrong maybe i need to just tone it down a little bit or whatever just hold your hands up own it say i've learned some lessons but we're still going to carry on with the channel people enjoy it i enjoy it we're going to just watch what we do in the future that'll be fine i i, I don't think there needs to be a drastic, oh, you can't do this anymore. I don't think it generally. you know, you can see how annoyed he is when he makes mistakes on the pitch. You can see by watching the videos that he does care. He's a professional. He's training hard. He's cycling. The cycling thing, which started the whole channel off, the cycling has probably made him be able to be fit enough to keep playing at 38 years old and and go forward. So we can't just say it's been a terrible thing for him and and we can't be as naive to think that it, has a direct, tangible impact on his form, it might sort of subconsciously affect him. I think you're right, Adam, to point out that it does play on your mind if you're always thinking about what's the next video, what's the next video, what's the next video. That is going to Occupy some of your mental capacity, and that might, in turn, have an effect on your ability to train hard enough, ability to play hard enough. I don't know. Only Ben Foster can answer that question. His teammates might have a view on it as well. Maybe they'll be annoyed. Maybe some people love it popping onto the video from time to time. Maybe some people are going, oh, "Wish he put that bloody camera down." Maybe all of these things we would like to know more about, but we don't really know unless we're inside the dressing room. But I just think, ultimately if we didn't get beat 5-0 by Liverpool, if we'd won that game and Paddy had still been thrown out and he'd still got up to Salah at the end of the game, we would not be having this conversation right now. He would not have been battered in the way he has been on social media. You lose 5-0 to Liverpool and something bad goes wrong. The two things co- you know overlap. People all of a sudden just go mad and, and look for something to channel their anger into. And that is the, that's the bottom line. If you win matches in football... Pretty much everything else gets pushed aside, and it 's as you said Mike it was the, it was the perfect storm and we 'll see where it goes from from here
0: i 'd like to just just finally say a couple of couple of things on on, on this and i don 't necessarily agree completely about whether no one would have said anything because I think and i I, I thought that Mike might say it a little bit earlier on that this is almost like the straw that broke the camel 's back that there have been concerns over, over what he has been doing over quite a significant period of time, whether Watford have been winning or losing. There have been things that have challenged the sort of the, the communications policy of the of the club that have left them in slightly difficult situations. I go back to the, the Will Hughes situation. The club weren't saying a word about it. The only appearance he made aside from him swearing all the time on on YouTube, um, you know, clips, which I personally think was almost like someone trying to tell you in a fun way, mate, can you just stop filming me because I don't really like it? But then it became part of the whole narrative. Anyway, aside from that, the the point being that he was the first person to actually comment on Will Hughes and Will Hughes' situation. Oh, don't go to Villa, mate. That's difficult for the club's communications team to actually go... We're not talking about that. Can you not talk about that, please? Because we are trying, rightly or wrongly, we're not dealing with that like that right now. Also, the situation with with Daniel Backman. He took it upon himself to start talking about, oh, yeah, effectively, he's been dropped. That's football. He'll get back to it. Blah, 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 blah. It muddied the waters, that post. That was after a victory. That was after the victory over, over Norwich. It muddied the waters. It can confuse things when everyone's not on the on the same page. And the, the responsibility of the players when you are given that freedom is to be responsible and to double check. And I'm sure there will have been occasions where, you know, communication staff here and there or, or the hierarchy or whatever would have said, Please don't put that bit in or don't talk about that in this thing. But a few things pop up and creep up and here here and there. So yes, I agree. I, I get the sentiment, Dave, when you're saying, you know, if if Liverpool, if we hadn't have lost 5-0 against Liverpool, blah, 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 it wouldn't have it wouldn't necessarily have reared its ugly head. But I think that this is almost a good time, whatever happened, to have just scratched the surface a little bit and talked about it. And it will be down to the club and it will be down to Ben Foster, as you said, Dave. To now just take a breath and see how you react. And then, yes, fine. Let's see how it let's see how it develops. Let's see how it develops. But I think, you know, I I, I have found the whole thing very interesting to, to talk about it, to, to hear people's views about it, to get some quite sort of vitriolic abuse about even talking about it in the first place. I find it all a bit odd. So we've dealt with it. We've spoken about it, and now we will
3: see Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Part of The Athletic, podcast network. This is From the Rookery End. So one final topic that I just wanted to discuss quickly is the Africa Cup of Nations. And I know we've got another international break and we've got you know hundreds of fixtures to deal with before January, but I think it is an important one uh, to to talk about because I've done some digging into it and the piece that has just dropped on The Athletic today uh, is all about the Africa Cup of Nations and when players are actually going to be called up for those international games. The tournament takes place between January the 9th and February the sixth, and I think, and we've sort of spoken about it before. People are going, ah, oh, just be a couple of games in January that they're away for. It's actually longer than people may imagine. That the FIFA rules state, and just bear with me for a minute because it is a bit wordy. That basically players have to be released and start travel to their representative team no later than Monday morning the week preceding the week when the relevant final competition starts, which basically boils down to December the 27th. So the majority, as it stands, of all the African players that are going to be playing in the AFCON, which is around about 40 players, are going to have to leave after the full-time whistle blows on Boxing Day. So it's not going to be where Watford are concerned that Ishmael Assar, for example, or uh, William Troost-Ekong, or Adam Messina and Imran Luzer, who are going to be going with, with Morocco, are just going to miss the games against Norwich and Newcastle, which fall in the in the centre of January with those two FA Cup games potentially as well. It may well be that Ishmael Assar, who is the one that we're really ro- worried about, let's be brutally honest, is also going to miss the games against West Ham and Tottenham and... If, as he did in 2019, just before he joined us, he gets all the way to the final with Senegal, which is a team that obviously includes some other wonderful players like um, Edouard Mendy, the Chelsea goalkeeper, Sadio Mane and others from the Premier League. If they go all the way to the final, he might even miss the game on February the 8th, which is the reverse fixture at the London Stadium against West Ham. So it may well be that Ismail Assar and potentially others, miss eight games for Watford. Six in the Premier League and two in the FA Cup if we get beyond the third
2: round. And I suppose it just sort of opens up... It's a disaster. There's no way of other <laughs> way of putting it. That would be catastrophic to Watford's seasons. We may as well give up and go home. If he's going to miss eight games, well, six... Let's put the FA Cup to one side. If he's going to miss six Premier League games, that is absolutely... Disastrous because he is the only player. Really, uh, he's, he's the he's the only. Uh, I'll put it this way: he's not the only player that can win games for us, but he is certainly the only player that op- the oppositions go into games fearing. And if we don't have him, it's a big, big blow. You know, two you can manage, six is a that's 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 you know that is a much bigger problem, isn't it?
1: It does, however, mean that he's probably unlikely to leave in the January transfer window. Which I, I have to say, as I was watching him, sort of uh limp around on on saturday whether his whether his mind actually might be speeding towards that that vicarage road exit sooner than than we might have anticipated i think we all recognize he's going to leave in the summer but i would, i did wonder if he was He's going to perhaps start spoiling for move in January. As you've explained, Adam, I think the logistics of what he has on his plate with with Senegal and the way we know he is, to give him fairness, he's he's, he's, he's committed and professional, isn't he? That's what we've seen from him so far. And he will be taking both responsibilities very, very seriously and will be wanting to do his best for, for both club and country. So perhaps one... It's a very, very faint, thin silver lining, but that's all we've got anywhere at the moment when it comes to Watford, isn't it? That he probably probably means it's impossible for him to depart the club in that transfer window, doesn't it? Just to point people in
0: the direction of, of the piece, I go through the sort of the various stages of the competition where players might be likely to return if they go out of the group stages in the round of 16, quarterfinals, etc., etc. And there is a caveat in the FIFA rules, which basically says that clubs and associations concerned may agree a longer period of release or and this is the key bit different arrangements so there is a chance that a bit of a push and pull in terms of you know politics and diplomacy between the clubs and the nations and the and CAF the the Confederation of African Football might actually come to to maybe a a chance that the the players in the Premier League because they're the only only players that are playing by the way all the other European leagues have sensibly a winter break but we pile on more games you know there might be a chance that players can leave on January the 3rd which would make it a little bit more palatable so have a go reading the piece and it will sort of clear things up for you it goes through all the other players in the um in the premier league as well and you know you know that there might actually be a chance of things changing because some big big players are involved as well so Chelsea against Liverpool that falls just as the new year starts and you can bet that Liverpool are going to want Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, to, Sadio Mane to be playing in that game. And Chelsea, obviously, Edouard Mende as well in goal, who's been brilliant. They will be pushing hard as well. So it might be that maybe Watford's sort of push might not do it, but maybe some of the other clubs might actually do it as well. And there might be a little bit of a better situation. But you can go ahead and read it on The Athletic and uh, much, much more. There's also a piece that's uh, dropping later on this week about Watford... Uh, and all the other teams in the Premier League and how they approach corner kicks. Doesn't make for good reading, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but do dig that one out ahead of uh, heading to a Goodison Park. Well, they have actually got the lowest amount of corners in the Premier League, uh, which is, uh, yeah. But even when they get them, they don't really do much with them.
2: It's not the, it's not the only metric table with the bottom of either.
0: No, I know, I know. Still nutmeg champs, though. <laughs> yeah, nutmeg champs, exactly. Um, look, the only way is up, ladies and gentlemen, Dave, I really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you. Mike, same to you as well. I've absolutely just been bathing in your negativity this, uh, this evening, Lance. It's been absolutely <laughs> wonderful to see you slowly just inching towards the dark side. It's, uh, I'll save my Star Wars references for, for next time when it's, when it's complete. But, oh, it's been so magical just to feel the, the optimism just sucking out of you. It's, uh, it's tremendous. See you at Goodison Park, eh?
0: Yeah, can't wait, can't wait. Quick reminder, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, moving on, uh, do go to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend and you can get 33% off your new subscription and it would be great to have you on board. Ladies and gents, enjoy the weekend. Fingers crossed for a better performance and there will, of course, be a reaction podcast afterwards. Mike is at Goodison Park and everyone will be back. To uh, just pull it apart, and maybe, maybe, maybe there might be some positive news off the back of that game on Saturday. Take care, everyone. All the best. The Athletic.